Well, hello, you beautiful people out there. I have finally done it. I have recorded an episode on New Avalon. And of course, I traverse the whole span of time, bringing us deeply into the past so that we can understand the original seed code of original Avalon and how that has completed and also how the new Avalon is unique and is birthing, rising, and emerging from the heart womb of Gaia's new earth. Now, as you begin to receive these codes of enchantment, and if you find yourself feeling deeply resonant or connected with these energies, and you wish to explore them at a deeper level, I have just recently opened up wide the gates of New Avalon. Now I am talking about particularly the gates of New Avalon. This dream that is anchored here at this land, I have opened up these gates. I am offering one-on-one sessions, which is one way to connect into these energies. These are currently in the form of Oracle astrology sessions. They are so much more than a typical astrology consultation. You can read all about them on my website at dmrrose.com, but that's not the only way that you can weave with these energies right now. I have recently created with the grandmothers of the ancient forest a beautiful medicine offering called Emerge from the Dark Forest of Winter. It is a potion of five essences that will be mailed to you when you place your order. And as part of this medicine offering, along with the potion, you also are invited to step into a held sacred container, a container that is held in a heart embrace of high alchemy and enchantment in a heart circle of the grandmothers and guided by an elven queen. So this offering includes four video transmissions that'll be recorded in real time, one per week, as a way for you to journey with the mythic story that is unfolding in real time. If this calls to you, you can learn more and sign up on my website at diamirarose.com under the Essence Apothecary Store. You will find the option for Emerge. All right, I want to present to you the story of Avalon of the Old and Avalon of the new. As I hit the record button today, I am observing a gorgeous view outside my window. I rearranged my office about a week ago, and the reconfiguration feels so expansive and so good. One of the best things about this new arrangement of furniture is the way that I'm now positioned and the way that it's impacted my view of the forest, of the land, of New Avalon, which feels perfect because that is what I want to talk to you about today is New Avalon. I want to share with you 
that just next to me on my desk is a tiny dish that has this painted feature inside that is a serpent. I picked it up from an antique store quite a number of years ago, and it has served as a ceremonial dish. And for a long time, it has held these three tiny shriveled apples. And when I say tiny, I mean they are the size of my pinky nail. They're very small. They never were fully grown. And I want to start with the image of the three apple, tiny apples. These apples came from the apple tree that my partner and I planted in the center of the New Avalon Temple Garden. This apple tree was among the first plantings that went into the ground in this space. And for us, it is very symbolic and a beautiful way to physically anchor and represent the energy of New Avalon. Because the apple holds mysteries within mysteries within mysteries and has carried through to be a symbol of New Avalon. When the old Avalon, and by old Avalon, I am referring to the old story, the old era that held many stories. When that completed, many threads, many mythic stories and images from that era completed with it. But the apple is one that seems to be timeless. It has carried through from one age to another, and another, and another, and another. And the apple, in addition to being the fruit and symbol of Avalon, is also the fruit of the other world. Other world with a capital O, the other world of fairy. The apple is what I call the fairy fruit. And of course, this may begin to stir many questions and inquiries for you. And we already may be making some interesting connections here, not the least of which is the connection to the biblical book of Genesis and the story of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree that supposedly Eve was tempted to eat from by the serpent, and how fitting that the bowl <laughs> that are that is holding these three apples has a serpent on it. All of these hermetic codes are connected to Avalon, to fairy. And although those energies, Avalon and fairy, are not synonymous, not by a long shot, they are deeply connected and intertwined. So before I talk about Avalon of now, Avalon of today, new Avalon, as it were, I want to begin this story by talking a little bit about old Avalon. Sometimes we have to turn and acknowledge our past before moving forward. And that is what I intend to do with all of you today. I believe I spoke a little bit about the Avalon of old in my previous episode number six, Endings and Beginnings preparing for my journey to Avalon, which may be of interest to you if you haven't already had a listen. 
But today we're going to swirl and spiral a little deeper. I'm seeing the image of a swirling vortex as it descends into the earth, but then also a counterforce spiraling upwards as it moves, ever reaching toward growth, evolution, the impulse of the stellar energies. That is going to be our journey today. So before I speak more about the apple, I want to talk a little bit about Avalon in general. And from here on out, I'll be really clear if I'm talking about New Avalon, I will say New Avalon or Avalon of the now. And if I'm referring to the old Avalon, I will either say that or just Avalon. Many people connect Avalon to a physical place. And in this way, the Avalon of the old and the Avalon of the new are also similar in that they both straddle a line of paradox, a line between one world and another, a reality that says they are very much anchored to physicality, to this world. They are woven into the sacred geometry and grid flows of this world, but they are also transcending of this reality. They also exist in multiple dimensions, in multiple realms of existence that are part of this earth, but dialed to a little bit of a different frequency. And this was true for the Avalon of old and the Avalon of now. So, of course, we can't help but talk about Avalon and think about all of the Arthurian mysteries, the Avalon oral tradition that was eventually put down by various authors in the medieval time period. But what's important to understand is that even though the stories were recorded in the Middle Ages, the stories were much older than that. And some of them have a Christian veneer atop them, or a veneer of that time period, which was characterized by the knighthood and chivalry. But underneath that, these stories point to something much older, point to a Celtic and Western mystery tradition that some believe goes all the way back to Atlantis. Now, I'm not here to argue time periods, because when we try to talk about something that is both energetic and physical, time becomes a funny business, and linear time doesn't work so well for these kinds of conversations. So, What my aim is, is to just bring these little tidbits forward in order to inspire and spark some inquiry. And if one of these pieces that I mention calls to you, then I invite you to do some further research on your own, whether that be inner world research and tuning into your own feeling and intuition around it, or whether that be diving into the old books and texts. I personally love to do both. So yes, Avalon was a place, but it was also 
a dream, an idea, a seed code that was filled with potential and was stewarded and guided into what it became. And what it became was not a static expression, but an ever-evolving story that had very different flavors from one age to another. And this is something that I feel is conflated in a lot of the accounts and stories that have been written down, is different threads from different time periods were confused. And in some ways, this is all part of the mystery. This encourages us to let go of the realm of reason, that which has been written down, and to dive into that which feels true, to find the essence of an idea. Although the most common place, the most popular place to connect Avalon of the Old to is Glastonbury, England. And indeed, the energies of Avalon of the Old have always been felt there for as long as I know. But Glastonbury isn't the only place that has had connections to the physical Avalon. There are places in northern France in the forests. There are places in Scotland, also connected to forests. And there are places in Wales, particularly northern Wales, near the waterfall of Pistol Raider, that have connections to both Camelot and Avalon. So there are many physical places that have what I will call access points into this old story, this old dream. And there are many beings, many energies that became very popular for their role in the story of Avalon. So before I talk about what my understanding and experience of the intention and what the Avalon of the old is, I want to share first a little bit of etymology, which you know is... (laughs) One of my favorite ways to play, I am a linguist (laughs) by training and from my years in college, no one truly has been able to trace the origin of the word Avalon definitively. There are some ideas and I'm going to share those with you. Avalon is believed to come from the old Welsh word avalak. And that meant Isle of Apples. The other name that was often given to the Isle of Avalon was the Isle of Glass. And perhaps the modern day Glastonbury is a reference to that. Both of these have so much wisdom to impart. We could truly spend an episode, I promise you, talking about each of these. And their implications. Isle of Glass refers to the other world. Again, we are talking about the other world or the underworld, the other world of fairy. In Welsh, this was called Anun. We see references to the glass castle or a glass tower in various writings, and they usually point to the other world. 
a place in the other world or an entrance to the other world. So we could say that Avalon is first and foremost a bridge between the worlds, a place where the world of physical matter that most of us experience on a day-to-day basis relates and interacts with the world beyond. The spirit world, yes, but specifically the world of the she, the world of fairy. Now I want to come back to the Isle of Apples. So Afalak, this could have been an early name for Avalon. And Afalak, coming from Afal, Afal meaning apple, was not only a reference to Avalon, but was also a reference to the god of the underworld, the lord of Anun. In some tales, this is Gwyn Apneith, and many of you, either through your connection with Glastonbury or perhaps through reading my memoir, Initiation, My Fairy Soul Awakening, you have seen and experienced the connection between Gwyn Apneith and Avalon. And so Afalak is both. It is Avalon, and it is also this being, this being who acts as guardian and threshold dweller on the doorway between the realms, between the realm of fairy and human. Now, not to downplay Gwyn Upneath's role in Avalon, as I mentioned earlier, there were quite a few energies and powers and beings who had a very active and over role in the story of Avalon. But it is what Gwyn up need guarded, what he stewarded that is going to call our attention. So Avalon is a place where the worlds connect, but it is not only that Avalon was this bridge place for there are many thin places the world over. But Avalon was, <laughs> you could say, an intentional community <laughs> that had the desire to foster relationship between humanity and the other world of fairy. This is because we, human and fairy, are deeply connected through a shared ancestor long, long ago. And though we have taken different paths of evolution, now we are at a time when we need each other. They need us just as much as we need them for very different reasons. I talk more about this in episode 7, Rise, Your Ancient Magical Lineage Awakens. I think I also refer to this in one of the earlier episodes, episode number one, I believe, Enter the Fairy Gates, A Beginner's Guide to Exploring Who and What the Fairies Are. So Avalon was this intentional dream, a dream about fostering relations between these two similar and yet very different people. So as I stare at the three little apples sitting in this dish, I am contemplating how, in this way, the Avalon of old and the Avalon of new are similar. Both carry through this living symbol, the symbol of the apple. 
which is, of course, about more than being a fruit on a tree. The apple was the fruit of immortality. It was the fruit that connected us from one world to another. It was a fruit that reminded us of both our earthly connection and commitment and responsibility, as well as our connection to the stars. For what fruit could be more juicy, more luscious than one of those beautiful early fall apples? And in this way, we think about the abundance and bounty of earth. But when we slice an apple open, we see that five-pointed star, which reminds us of our starry connection. It reminds us not only perhaps where we have come from, but also that we carry the spark of the stars within us. This, I believe, is what astrology points to, is yes, about the movements of the stars and planets up there, but that as above, so below, as without, so within, just like a hologram within even the tiniest grain of sand, the whole is contained. And so the movements of the stars and planets are not just up there, but within us. And of course, the fairy people know this. And this becomes this dance between staying grounded and anchored and committed to the Gaia plan, the unfolding journey of embodiment, while also holding the light of the stars in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. For are we not all starlight? And so the apple reminds us that we are invited to create heaven on earth. And this is part of why so many of us came here, is to truly bridge spirit and matter, to spiritualize matter. And the five-pointed star is also connected, of course, to Venus, the goddess of love and beauty, the goddess of heaven and earth, the goddess who descends into the underworld, letting go of all that she knows, knowing it is only through that release that she can truly be reborn more fully as herself and rise in all her starlit glory and maturity for those who of you who know, you know that I am weaving the tale of Anana and her descent into the underworld. She is a Sumerian goddess, and her descent into the underworld is connected to Venus's dance with the earth and sun, that dance that does indeed form a five-petaled star. Yes, I said that how I wanted to, in the sky over time. That is what her orbit creates, that pattern. And this brings us to the rose, because that is what many see Venus's orbit as, not just a five-petaled star, but a five-petaled rose. And it is through her ascent and descent when Venus becomes a morning star and then disappears from the morning sky, from the sky altogether for a period of time, only to be reborn as an evening star. And then she disappears from the sky as an evening star and disappears completely and then is reborn again as a morning star. This is connected to Anana. 
But all of this, this cycle of knowing thyself, of descending deeply into matter and having an experience, and then through that embodied mythic reality, rising, ascending with all one's multidimensional experience back towards the heavens. And so Avalon holds all of this. Avalon is about the ascending and descending. And this is where the dragons come in, the red and the white dragons, the ascending and descending journeys of consciousness along the tree of life. And here we're brought to the serpent within the tree. So even though so many of these pictorial images I'm mentioning are symbols I want to invite you also to see them as living energies, as having consciousness. Yes, the dragon, the snake can be a symbol of rebirth, of birthing into consciousness, of expanding into matter, and also ascending into spirit. But the dragons are also living energies. They are living beings with consciousness that are part of the sacred ecology of Gaia. So I'm pulling in these different threads to begin to build a picture of what the Avalon of the old was, but also some of these pieces that I feel have been retained in the Avalon of the now. There is so much more that could be said about the Avalon of the old, but this sharing today is about new Avalon. And so to bridge us into talking about new Avalon, I want to say that there comes a time in every story when the end is near, when different characters have completed their roles their journeys, when the story itself has reached its own journey or conclusion. While I have spoken to some of the similarities in the themes of Old and New Avalon, it is very clear to me that the Avalon of the Old is complete. From my own experience, there were several milestones that I witnessed that marked this completion. I am certain that these are not the only milestones. These are just the ones that I was privileged to witness or be a part of. One of them was the global awakening of the dragons. The other was the reactivation and reawakening of the fairy hallows. Both of these signaled a new era. And yet, those pieces alone may not have been enough to complete the story of Avalon. I'm saying that because within the old Avalon, there were many eras. This was also reflected to me as true from the perspectives of other beings and allies and colleagues in the subtle realms that I work with. And yes, it is not lost on me that the ending of the old story of Avalon very much is closely related and lines up to the cycle of the ages. Not only the procession of the equinoxes, but also 2012 and the various long and short calendars from the Maya people. Avalon of the old 
did not complete on December 21st, 2012 from my linear understanding. But of course, as you probably know, these kinds of things are more waveforms than they are particles. So there was an era or a period of completion of winding down that I am certain has been happening for a very long time, long before Diamira in this human form or this particular incarnation got involved. And the last milestone marker that as I'm thinking about all of this, I'm realizing I have failed to mention that to me signaled the completion of Avalon of the Old was the departure of a great many fairy elders from the Gaian story. In the beginning of 2021, I held a fairy vigil that some of you joined me in holding in order to celebrate and honor these beings who had been so devoted to Gaia for so long, and they were choosing to depart. So all of these were signals, if you will. And yet, I am certain that divine timing is its own mystery, and only Gaia knows truly the full picture around why the old story of old Avalon came to its completion. The one piece I will share is that there was a purification that needed to occur. And this is not to be confused with anything negative, but what I was shown was that just like anything or anyone or any idea, something that has lived for a very long time, it could be an idea, uh, an organization, a business, a person in a certain position, right? We talk a lot about that with different political systems. And is there a point where somebody becomes out of touch when they've maybe been in a position for so long? With Avalon, because of its age, and in this, I'm not talking about the place, I'm really talking about the dream, the energy, the intention, the story. Because it had been around for so long, there were many overlays of energies. There were many different agendas that came to eventually be part of the Avalon story. Agendas that were neither good nor bad, but perhaps became extra weight that weighted down the original dream. I'm also seeing that as so many different layers upon layers of stories and people's opinions and ideas and threads get woven in with the original essence of something. That original essence can become veiled, distorted, hidden. It's hard to see or feel what that original essence or intention was or is without somehow going on a great excavation through the ages, trying to unravel the different energies that have come to nest within the house of Avalon. And so the completion allowed for a great cleansing and clearing, a purification to deeply honor those stories and also to let them go, to release them, to let them find their own legs, let them not continue to 
bank up on the shores of Avalon, but instead set them free so that they can grow wings and see what they have to offer without carrying Avalon as a banner to perhaps gain attention or gain support for their cause. How many stories that have become connected to Avalon in the last couple thousand years have gained support or notoriety because they tucked up under the wing of Avalon. And the one that comes to mind, and I'm just going to say it, is the story and the connection with Yeshua and Mary Magdalene. Now, I am speaking from my experience, and I have an incredible love and respect for Yeshua and Mary Magdalene and their, oh my goodness, their project, (laughs) light project that they set forth to bring forward on the planet is one of great beauty and love. And yet, there are threads of their story that have been woven and sewn into Avalon. And that is not to say that Yeshua did not spend time there when he was a boy. And that is not to say that Anna, grandmother of Yeshua, was not potentially reared there for a period of time. And even maybe, as some accounts suggest, a Celtic princess. And that is not to say that Mother Mary and or Mary Magdalene did not find their way there after the crucifixion, after coming to France. What I am going to share from my perspective does not make any of that untrue. It is just that Avalon existed before them. Avalon is older than the story of Yeshua and Mary Magdalene. This is just one example of what I mean by stories that have been sewn into the fabric of Avalon. And that is also not to say that these other stories have not added something of richness, a quality of beauty to Avalon. So this is not an either-or conversation. There are just all of these pieces. And when so many patches get sewn onto a quilt, one loses sight of what that original pattern of that quilt might have looked like. So I feel that this also plays into why the old Avalon completed. So another thing that I was very clear about is that the when the old Avalon completed, many people and energies that were part of that old story also completed too. There was no natural transference or contract law that stated if you were part of one story, you had to be part of another and sign up for a second round. In fact, at the time, I don't even know that a second round or a new story was in the cards. Of course, a new story is always just around the corner, but I mean a new Avalon. It probably could have just been left at that, and we all could have been on our way to whatever other new stories are peeking up from the heart of Gaia, for that is where so many stories originate. But I believe that there was a desire to allow another dream to rise up. This one 
rising from Gaia, yes, but through Gaia and through the many layers of the earth into our feet and up through our bodies and rising up and out of the hearts of humanity. As I'm speaking now, what I am feeling that is so true for me is that there was a critical mass that had been reached on the planet of light having been activated and remembered from within, within our own hearts. And as a result, we catalyzed the birthing of a new story, of a new story that held within it qualities of cooperation and collaboration, yes. But it was about something more, about wholeness, about sovereignty, about remembering ourselves as part of the whole, seeing ourselves as whole, seeing all of life as whole, and through this wholeness, perhaps seeking to emerge a new earth, a new dream. And what I'm seeing is that the subtle but yet critical difference is what in shamanic terms we call the assemblage point. It is the point from which we are seeing or viewing the dream. If for thousands of years, the dream came through from one angle and was worked at from one place or perspective, now because of our new awareness, because of our willingness to move into a more embodied ascension reality, we are able to allow the dream to crack open from within us in a whole different way. It was like the dream had gone as far as it could go on the railroad, on the tracks of the old train system. And this is not a new train system. This is a whole other mode of transportation. This is a whole other mode of relating. I'm again speaking figuratively using the train example for this concept that I'm feeling so deeply in my body, but have never articulated until this moment. So this is part of what inspired Avalon of the Now. And so how did I come to be involved in Avalon of the Now? Obviously, I had a very important connection with the old Avalon. But as I said, that did not necessarily automatically subscribe me into Avalon of the Now. It was a choice my soul had to make and I had to make consciously. I have consciously chosen to anchor new Avalon here, threading it into the weave of this land only after I was invited to do so, not just by this land, which was very important to receive those permissions, not just from the fairy spirits and little people spirits that were here, but also the indigenous ancestral spirits that were here. But also I received the invitation from the torch bearers of Avalon of the old, those who were leaving, who were completing, passed me a torch and said, will you light the flame of Avalon in your land? Will you carry it forward? It is time for the fire 
that has been Avalon to disperse for its sparks to ignite other dreams, other worlds, other realms in other lands. Will you carry one of these sparks? And will you light the fire in the land, just like in times of old, to hold the intentionality and to act as a beacon of hope, of enchantment, of creativity, imagination? And I said, yes. So that was a very, very important part of this, that I did not impose my will on the land. I did not presume to create this dream or this energy or to think that it would just be okay and a fun novel idea. And I'm spending a little time here because this is important. There's a lot of (laughs) wishy-washy spirit work happening and there are a lot of (laughs) mistakes are being made. mistakes are being made. And that is kind of, as I look out at the energetic architecture and landscape of Gaia, there's so much beauty and there's some repair that needs to also take place, some responsibility that needs to, mm, that some integrity that needs to be restored in the context of our spirit work and making sure that not only we have the right permissions, but that we know what we're doing. (laughs) And yes, there is the law of grace. And yes, there is the power of good intention and just being in a good way, acting in a good way and from a good place. And that goes such a long way. And there's etiquette and there's training that is required to do some of the more advanced kinds of spirit work, running big energies and having anything to do with reconfiguring or affecting the flows of the energetic architecture and the grid structure, not to mention working with spirits and beings of the other world and other realms too. So just an invitation for us to always continue to do better and to try to bring responsibility and integrity to this work. So that was a really important piece is I received an invitation and I said, yes. So having said that, I will also now say that I do not believe that this place where I am located is the only place that can have the dream of New Avalon to emerge from within it. I absolutely believe that just like Avalon of old, there are going to be other places on the earth that new Avalon is stirring within. I also feel like they will be each unique, like earth star gardens, and they don't necessarily have to be gardens. I'm using the garden here in the way of a co-creative experiment between spirit and matter, between human and fairy, and, and really just an experiment in relationship with the sacred ecology of Gaia. These dream seeds, I feel, will spark and ignite in different places. And there are many dreams igniting on the planet, many dreams that are connected and woven into the fabric of new earth. But just because something is woven and aligned with the fabric of new earth, the great gathering essence really helps us bring forward creations in alignment with new earth. 
but just because it is doesn't mean that it's New Avalon. And the other expressions of New Avalon, I have no doubt, will look different, feel different based on those who are participating and part of the dream based on their energy, their flavor, their unique expression, as well as the unique energy and expression of the the landscape. And even though the landscape is just one layer, the physical landscape, we have the inner scape, the inner landscape, which is connected to the physical landscape. So I do not have some, you know, spirit patent on New Avalon. And I want to encourage anybody who's out there who is, you know, feeling connected to this dream to be in that deep inquiry and ask what that means for you. Does that mean being connected to the energies that I'm bringing forward in some way to allowing yourself to receive the blessing, the healing of the codes of enchantment that are rising out of the heart of New Avalon here? Does it mean listening and working with the dream of New Avalon as it's arising from the heart of Gaia and working with it in a more etheric way, not anchored to a physical location, but working with those energies and those maybe transmissions as they come through you and who knows what for. Maybe art, maybe architecture could be through the rearing of children. And then maybe it is truly listening for that invitation from the heart of New Avalon itself to plant a seed and anchor the dream in a geographic place where you are. So the contributing factors, as I said, (laughs) with any story are many, so many, but I'm feeling called to share the three. And the first, I already started there and I shared how it was an invitation and that specific invitation happened in December of 2017 when I returned to Glastonbury on one of my annual pilgrimages. And this time I had not only brought my partner who I had brought a couple of times before, but this time we brought my stepdaughter and we introduced her. And there was something magical and activating, which I could not have planned if I tried about bringing those three energies, that masculine, feminine, and then child energy, all three together. It was like energetically that activated and brought forth this invitation. And it was Gwyn himself that came forward with his torch and asked me to light the fires of Avalon in my land. And this couldn't have come at a better time because in December of 2017, we were about nine months or so into living in our new home that my partner and I had found here in Virginia. We had been, we had been guided to Virginia by spirit completely, another story within itself. But suffice it to say that I had no prior designs on moving to Virginia. It wasn't even an idea or thought that had ever crossed my mind, and it hadn't crossed his either. And a series of synchronicities and spirit nudges brought us here. When we were on our first scouting mission, checking out Virginia and the land and the energy and just 
after we had been receiving these messages and signs, and I'll be honest, I was completely resistant to the idea. I had wanted to move to Asheville. I'd always wanted to move to Asheville, and I thought this was finally going to be my opportunity to do that. And so when we continued to get these signs and symbols pointing us in this direction, we thought, well, it can't hurt to check it out. And so we did, and we do what I always do, which is we followed the trees. (laughs) Turned out to be the Shenandoah National Park. And that's where we focused our adventure around. Now, driving through there, we entered in through the northern gate and drove down. We were guided to a particular area to stop and pull over. It was one where there was a trailhead that led down into a canyon, and this followed a beautiful river and waterfall. And this is a several-mile hike, and we hiked all the way down to the base of the waterfall where I sat down on a rock, a boulder, in the water, and meditated. It was during this profound but very short meditation that a group of golden beings gathered round, including me in a great golden circle. And these beings said to me that the mountains of this place were ancient, some of the oldest in the entire world, and that they had long lain dormant. But the time was upon us that these mountains were awakening. And part of this initial impulse of awakening was to be this reactivation of this star portal that was there, right there, embedded into what I sensed was the side of the mountain and the base of this waterfall. And this was a portal that had been there for a long time. It was erected in holy ceremony and deep devotion to threading the stellar energies with the Gaian energies and to maintaining that relationship. But just like many things, it had gone dormant. There were no people to tend to this portal. And so it had gone to sleep. And they asked me if I would help awaken it. And by help, this was one of the easiest spirit jobs I had ever been asked to do. I did nothing other than hold a space of love and connection with all that was within me and all that was around me. I remember feeling myself at one with the flowing waters and the light from the sky and the trees and the rocks and these golden beings. And it was through that love that the portal opened like a turning cog. It might have creaked (laughs) a couple of times first, but then it opened and it felt and looked like a glowing vortex of light. Sedona isn't the only place that has vortexes, although it may be the most well-known. And in either case, our energy systems on this planet are changing. Nodal points that were points of energy convergence for thousands of years are shifting. Other places are coming alive and awake, and then other places are going to sleep. This is just the natural order of things. 
I don't presume to understand it in its whole. I just observe. As you might imagine, this definitely piqued my interest. And from that point uh, forward, I was particularly open, we will say, to continuing to explore Virginia as a viable option to relocate to. So over the next year, we spent some time trying to find a place to live. And eventually, we agreed to rent a house in town for a short-term basis, which we knew would afford us the time we needed to feel out the different areas, the different pockets of land, the different energies and communities, and just get a boots-on-the-ground sense of where we might want to be before we actually bought a house. So we moved here in June of 2016. And by here, I'm talking about to Virginia, not to our current home. And then we spent about nine months looking for a place. So it did take us quite a while, but eventually, once again, the number of synchronicities that occurred like gorgeous pearls, one by one being strung on a strand to create the most magical outcome unfolded for us. And we soon found ourselves purchasing this home together in March of 2017. So I didn't know exactly what I wanted, but I knew that I wanted to come into deep relationship with land. I have been in deep relationship with land most of my life, and it seems there are a lot of places that when I go, when I am invited by the land, upon arrival, it's as if I've known that place all my life. But I wanted to live somewhere. So I thought that this would be my chance to finally begin that dream, whatever that looked like, to at the very least find land that I felt connected to, that I could develop a relationship with, that could develop a relationship with me. And from that, who knows what might come forward. So there was that readiness within my heart. That being said, I could never have imagined what would unfold in the subsequent years. So it took a while for me to really settle into this place once Curtis and I purchased the home. And by a little while, I mean quite a few years, a couple of years. We had been here nine months when Gwen made the invitation to me. And when I came home, that January or February, one of my priestess sisters was visiting and the three of us, my partner, my priestess sister, and myself walked out to the land and we lit the flame of Avalon within the land. The next contributing factor that I want to share is prior to the global dragon awakening in September of 2019, I had been already involved in supporting and facilitating individual dragons in their reawakening and re-entrance into the surface world. I mentioned a little bit of this in a recent episode I did 
called The Dragons Are Coming, episode number 12, which I'll link to. And this work was always spontaneous. Usually I had no idea what I was going to be doing until I arrived at the place I was invited to. And it was really a a combination of following my intuition and feeling the heart of the land and hearing its song and seeing within that song what wanted to come forward, which was a dragon and holding space for that dragon to emerge. And sometimes it was much more complicated than that. And other times it was as simple as can be. And at some point I was brought back to the place where I had initially come at the base of the waterfall where the golden beings had met me and we had reactivated and reawakened that portal, I was guided to make a pilgrimage back there. And one of my other priestess sisters was visiting at the time. And I was told that it would be okay for she and I to make this journey together. She has accompanied me on so many journeys and sacred missions to Ireland and Scotland and Glastonbury. And she and I went again. I just thought we were going to be checking on the portal and tending that. I really didn't know what, why I was feeling the pull to go. And we set out on that trail and it is, as I said, a a somewhat difficult walk and it's all down, but then you have to turn around and go back up. And it was really cold. The temperature was dropping and we never even made it to the very base of the waterfall that time. Because before we even got there, I heard very strongly in my body, stop. And there were some other signs and cues that we were also reading. And so we just sat down right in the middle of the trail. And how surprised were we when we learned why we were there, which was to support and facilitate a great mother dragon awakening awakening from the deep dream sleep that she had been dreaming within. You see, when the dragons were in the dream time, they were not unconscious. They were just in a different state of consciousness. And it was there we journeyed to connect with her. And once again, it was nearly effortless. There was nothing I had to do. This was not a dragon that had been trapped and needed liberation. All we had to do was act as midwives and hold space for her re-emergence. This marked the beginning of a very long love affair between me and this dragon mother. And the more we became reacquainted, the more I realized that, yes, we had known each other for ages. And this was truly a reunion between she and I. And for a long while, she actually came to rest upon the roof of my house. I think she made her nest there. (laughs) And she just would wrap her tail around the north pole of my house, like the the constellation Draco once wrapped its tail around the pole star. So she would roost there, and in that way we would dream together for a long time. And of course she would go back and forth because I believe that the mountains are her home, and yet this is her home. 
And so this, this I'm letting you in on a deeper mystery here because what I have come to learn to remember is that all new stories begin with a dragon. Dragons, creator dragons, birth seed coats. They lay eggs and they, yes, <laughs> lay eggs that become baby dragons, but dragons are creators. They birth matrices, new stories. And so if I had remembered this great dragon mystery teaching, I might have known that this appearance of this dragon, who I lovingly refer to as the dragon mother, her appearance was a signal that a story was coming to nest here. Just like any story, we have to catch it. We have to receive it. We have to open our ears and eyes. We have to open our hearts. The dragon mother is just one presence and powerful force here. New Avalon has come to be a home for many, many beings, many she, Sasquatch, little people, dryads, dragons, and a great many other beings, not to mention the ones that exist on the physical realm in Middle Earth here, like plants and trees and animals and insects. So at the heart of New Avalon is an intention to co-create. But as I say that, that's not completely accurate because co-create always needs a direct object, doesn't it? Co-create what? And perhaps it would be more accurate to say that we are here for a grand experiment of relational exploration, of what it is to be in relationship with one another from a place of sovereignty, where we uphold and see each other as sovereign, as equal, as each having our own individual and very important, unique expression that becomes a very important thread within this grand tapestry. And ultimately, we are seeking to remember ourselves as whole. Many in the spirit world, especially in the realm of the she, see themselves as whole, but do they see themselves as whole in relationship to us? I don't know the answer to that. I will have to inquire, but there is for me a desire to truly expand into an enriched multi-dimensional reality, a sacred, enchanted, mythic reality. And I say expand into, when I say that, I see my heart as an organ of perception, expanding, opening, awakening, where each and every cell of my being turns on and awakens to the light that lives within it, to the light that lives within each cell, to the light that lives within my own heart, to the light that lives within every atom that is within and around me. And I'm expanding, I'm recognizing that light and I'm expanding into it. And then I'm choosing to see that which is around me as part of this animist reality, this reality where spirit breathes through every single entity and energy and being 
and system. And it is through this interrelationship that we are choosing to co-create, that we are choosing to partner and cooperate and explore what kind of creations can be born from this way of being. So that is a little bit about New Avalon. And over time, I wonder if I might come to share with you more of the, I will say characters, because we are all characters in a story, the characters and the, the powers and presences that make up this beautiful community, the beings here that some of them I have come to work very closely with. And I may indeed share more of the goings on of New Avalon, some of which I'm a part of and some of which carry on without me, which is beautiful and a lot of stress off my back. So that was part of my work is having to release any idea, any old paradigm that connected to the energies around burden, responsibility as it relates to obligation and proving one's worth or value. And as a result, burning out because I got into that feedback, that loop of overgiving. So New Avalon has been this beautiful playground for me and a few other humans who have participated in this dream with me, as well as all of these beings to heal, to transform, and to birth the new earth. I'm having so much fun co-creating beautiful expressions of my soul and blended with the frequencies of their energies and their medicines as well. And it's even more joyful for me now that I've released these pieces around proving my worth and proving myself and and having to, releasing any shoulds and allowing myself to rest in the joyful co-creation, exploration of wholeness, of love, of enchantment, and beauty. And if you want to check out some of my newest co-weavings and medicine offerings, I would invite you to go to diamirarose.com where you will find that I have opened up my calendar for one-on-one sessions. These are a way that New Avalon and I are getting to play with others, bringing you into these energies so that you can have a magical medicine experience. I've also recently shared a beautiful offering that is called Emerge from the Dark Forest of Winter. At the time of recording, there are a few magical potions left and you can be a part of this sacred container. It is a four-week container that is journeyed by an ancient elven queen and held within a container that is held by the grandmothers and me. There will be one recorded video made in real time released each week during the four-week container, and you will receive a magical potion that is specific to these energies that we are all being invited to journey with right now, which I speak to more fully 
in a video I recorded, and I'll link to that in the notes as well. I hope that you've enjoyed this magical sharing of New Avalon, this sharing of a very sweet and very intimate part of my soul and my heart. I hope that in sharing this, it inspires you and that you can feel the codes of enchantment that are just spilling over to bless you and to re-enchant this world. Until next time, blessings from the heart of New Avalon.